You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. rolling and we're hearing a lot of things and if you know if you've listened to making monsters podcast in the past you know that the, the main premise is kind of highlighting these young guys on the roster this year it may switch a little bit just because we did go add some veteran players uh, guys like Tremaine Edmonds uh, Demarcus Walker Nate Davis guys like that we did add in the offseason um, also which I think are going to be important pieces of the Bears and maybe those are players you don't know a whole lot about either um, so it's going to be super interesting this season, and I've said that a billion times over the last few months, but there's been a lot of adjustments made, and Ryan Poles really stepped his game up this offseason and did what he needed to do, in my opinion, uh, to protect Justin Fields, uh, to get Justin Fields some weapons, to try to bolster the defense as much as possible. I know a lot of us still have some questions around the defensive line, but obviously with a recent move and Yannick Ngakwe, that really uh, kind of ups the ante a little bit in that aspect, too. Uh, we know the linebacker group is mightily improved, and um, I, I think that it, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to, there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some learning curves. There's it's a lot of, a lot of new guys, a lot of new pieces. Some of these guys, though, are now in their second uh, go-round with the system, which I think is going to be important for guys like Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool and Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert. Um, though, as Kyler Gordon, we can look at the defensive lines, Brisker, you know, Brisker and Kyler and all of these guys, like you're in the second year of the system now and you really expect those things to start catching up. But, Today, I'm going to talk to Matt Hamilton. If you guys don't know Matt Hamilton, he uh, is a, a lot of times he's on FanDuel TV now, but he does a lot of stuff with Kay Adams, so he's on Up and Adams with Kay uh, a lot. Uh, and he recently did a kind of camp tour, I guess you would say, like a, a little mini camp, training camp tour with different teams and kind of seeing what's going around, what's going on in the NFL uh, in general. So we're going to, he'll join me uh, soon. Uh, and that way we can kind of chat with him of an outside perspective of what to, you know, what they're seeing from the Bears and what they're hearing from camp and that outside look at what the expectations could possibly be, but also maybe look a little bit around the NFC North in general because there have been several changes with that also um, of just what people people coming and going. Obviously, the big one is the Packers. Jordan Love, uh, it's Jordan Love's team now, and so that's going to be a really interesting one. I do want to get into that a little bit. But before Matt does join us, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the preseason. Uh, that's this weekend, and I know a lot of people hate the preseason. 
a lot, some people don't even want their starters out there because that's when injuries happen that you really just don't want to see happen. Um, but the preseason is important. That's when you get these depth pieces. That's when these young guys really, like, you, you really get to see what you have out of some of these young guys. And I think the Bears are counting on several rookies or year two guys to be big, big parts of the offense and the defense. So it is important for the Bears. It is important to see what this could potentially look like. Uh, so a couple things. I know one of the big things out of camp has been the – Nate Davis thing. Nate Davis has pretty much, I don't think, worn pads at all. He's barely, he's practiced on light days, but he hasn't put on pads. He hasn't been out there um, in, in, that, in that, deeper, that deeper form of the contact. Uh, so a lot of people are worried about that. It's really interesting to me. So I personally reached out to someone I know that covers the Titans and reached and asked, you know, if they, if it was a, a known thing, you know, if Nate Davis kind of, doesn't really like to practice because those are some rumors that were coming, you know, coming out into uh, the world. And uh, so there was th- that going on. There was some rumors that maybe last season with the preseason and he didn't like preseason and he doesn't like practice and all of these things. So I reached out to this Titans guy and I kind of asked him what uh, if there's any word on that, if that was a thing in Tennessee. And his immediate, his, he responded quickly, um, very short responses, but. You could take this how you want to take it. Uh, I'll actually read you the exact thing because I do think it's important to get the exact wording right when it comes to something like this just because I uh, don't want to misquote somebody. So he said he didn't fight through a knee problem last year, seemed eager to go on IR, and his next bet, Vrabel is big on resting injured guys slash bets in the preseason. So two things that I personally take out of this. Number one, um, he – Maybe didn't have a whole lot of fight in him last season, and whether that carried on to this season, I'm not sure. The Titans lost six games to end the season last year, and everything kind of looked like a hot mess. They were about to lose the division to the Jags, it looked like. Granted, it came down to that last game, so I guess you could say, like, he gave up on a team who still had a chance to make the postseason, and is that ideal? No. Um but it, it did seem like the Titans were just kind of a disaster towards the end of the last season. And obviously, you guys know I also cover, cover the Jags. And so that being a, an, important, an important part of, you know, like what is, what is going on in, in that world of Nate Davis, I mean, with Nate Davis and the Titans, does that carry on over to the Bears? Some people may say, may say it kind of looks like it right now because he hasn't thrown on pads. He hasn't practiced to the full extent, and I'm not expecting him, although Iberflus does say he is starting with starters. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Nate Davis out there um, just because it kind of seems like that is the way that he's done things. Like, he's used to that with Vrabel, so maybe he thinks that, hey, like, he doesn't have to. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see that, how if, if and when and how much he is out there. Um, but the second part of that, obviously, was the the Vrabel's big, I said that, on the resting, so, the, you know, the injured guys. Um, he doesn't fight through, seemed eager to, go, eager to go on IR, but part of that kind of triggered me, too, because, uh, obviously, Iberflus announced that he is starting the starters. And so you are going to see our guys out there initially right away. And he said that the, the snap count, the snaps, the pitch count is going to depend player to player. So some guys you may see 7 to 10. Some guys you say may see 12 to 15 when it comes to the starters. Rabel, on the other hand, is not usually the guy to start his starters in the preseason. So 
it'll be interesting with where the Titans are this season with so many changes and kind of the way the season ended last year if he switches that up a little bit because maybe he does want to see some other aspects of the Titans a little more than maybe he has the last few the, you know the last couple seasons uh, so that'll be interesting but then you also have to look at it like if the Bears of starters are out there and they're playing these backup players how beneficial is it actually for them to be out there um, young guys it is important and that's what the preseason to me is about is a lot of times you're seeing the depth pieces you're seeing these young guys and I, I think that there's a lot of important pieces to that that we could be looking forward to running backs I think for example when the, the unofficial depth chart came out recently the running backs it had Khalil Herbert uh, Deontay Foreman and then Rochmar Johnson so it's going to be interesting to me after these preseasons if that's still the way that the running backs are lined up on that depth chart because a lot of people are saying they wouldn't be surprised if Rochmar was the leading guy coming out of preseason and into the regular season just because uh, of flashes they've seen and just expectations of what he's going to be able to do out on the football field and at all levels and in the run game and blocking and pass catching and all of those aspects. So that's one thing that's really interesting to me. I think another thing is the cornerbacks. I recently did a podcast on Terrell Smith. He Obviously, we know about uh, Kyler and Jalen. Those are one and two. We know that. That's not a surprise. But what we do also need to figure out is they already said they want to move Kyler inside. That's where he plays the best. So they went and drafted Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith uh, to possibly play that outside corner position. A guy like Kendall Vildor who was a starter last season, is now at the very bottom of the depth chart. And you're seeing these two guys behind him, and I really think it's going to be a battle between these two and what happens between them in the preseason of who is that starting third corner uh, when they are in those sub-package defenses and everything like that, which we know it's like. So um, that's something to keep an eye out for because those two guys, I've heard flashes from both of them at camp, but I have, like you would expect Tyreek to be that guy because he was a second-round pick. But I've heard a lot of good things about Terrell Smith. And so that one, to me, is just going to be so fun to watch. Um, Darnell Wright, obviously. I think a lot of people are going to have eyes on Darnell Wright. I would say temper expectations a little bit. We have, we've seen how difficult it is for offensive linemen to come into the league and really like start right away and be successful right away and really feel like you're, you're making not just flashes, but really taking a hold of that position and holding on to how important it is. But I think that right is another guy that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on in the, in the preseason just because this is a guy we went and spent a uh, 10th round pick, I mean, sorry, a 10th overall pick on uh, the season to protect the quarterback who got hit a whole lot last season. Um, so, so that's another thing I'm really excited about, obviously. And, and I think a big one is the defensive line. I mentioned it a little bit. And the defensive line is something that two weeks ago a lot of people were super concerned about because the pass rush wasn't addressed. And it's so important because the Bears were last in pass rush, last against the run, last in sacks, all of these like negative stats surrounding the front of the Bears' defense last season. And with a secondary that you really feel like can be one of the better and the one of the top in the league, you want that front to be able to hold it hold it down. And you want them to be able to create pressures and really take, take a little pressure away from that secondary, um, and especially to let them really shine and be those guys. But... It, there's a couple of new guys, obviously young guys, uh, Zach Pickens and uh, Javon Dexter. They both spent picks 
on in the draft, and they're, I think that you could expect them to be important pieces of this defense. We're seeing a lot out of uh, a lot of good things from Javon. Zach Pickens, not so much from what I've seen out of him. Uh, from what I've seen, you know, from people at camp, he's been kind of invisible. Like I don't want to say invisible. I feel like that's coming, but he's been just kind of not there. Like there's nothing standing out to make people say, "Oh, this guy can, you know, be a starter on the Bears." Or and that's why it's young. It's new. We're just in camp, and like I said, there's a lot of adjustments. You're learning a new thing. But when you hear guys like Javon Dexter, who's making all these basketball splash plays, and he's going up against these linemen and really holding his own against some of these guys, you want to see that from both. But an interesting battle to see what these two are going to be able to do because that defensive line is, I think, what the majority of questions surrounding the Bears roster this year, outside of how big of a step Justin Fields can take, is surrounded is based around that defensive line. And I mentioned earlier, you add a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, and you expect Yon to be able to obviously get to the quarterback. That's what Yon does. And Yon is a quarterback getter. He, um, but that's what he does. But he's a very one-dimensional guy, and that's why I was kind of, um, in the last month or so, vocal about not really wanting on. Uh, I think that when I, against the run, he's awful. Personally, covering him here in Jacksonville, there was a lot of drama surrounding Yannick Ngakwe. He was very selfish during the time that he was here. He was uh, not the best teammate to guys. Once he decided that he was over it, he was over it. He was arguing with the owner's son on Twitter. He was arguing with other, you know, fans on Twitter. And that's just not the, like, toxic that I want in Chicago. I feel like we're, we're cleaning house, and it's, it would be really nice to not have those negative um, – those negative personalities anymore. And I, I but I do trust Ryan Poles and I think that Ryan Poles definitely has the ability to pick guys who can be good people and we've seen that last year when the Roquan stuff went kinda went down. Poles wasn't about it. Poles was not going to deal with Roquan stuff. Um, and then we thought again him not picking Jalen Carter, which I think a lot of people still maybe are like, oh, like we made a mistake with that. Um, but Poles is a character person, and that's just that's just what it is. So I think that it's going to come down to that, though. At the end of the day, is how much how much pressure is he actually creating? How much is Jan going to take off of these other guys? It's a one year contract. I did like the contract at least. Um, that one year deal was ideal for me, and the situation ten million one year um, is what I. If I we were getting on, that's what I would have preferred to have. So it works for me in that aspect. But I do think that when you're looking at that, he also forces a lot of fumbles. He's that guy who will get the ball out to and create turnovers, which you want when you are facing especially some of these quarterbacks that we're going to be facing this year. And when you have a guy who is able to do that, that's great. Um, but I think that we also have to look at it from – the outside and just take a little look at what Jan is able to do and take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because there are other people on this line that are going to have to step up and play big roles this season. Um, All right, we are going to be getting to Matt Hamilton shortly, so let me um, take a quick little break. We'll jump to that interview and we'll be all set. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Property Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, welcome in Matt Hamilton. Matt, thanks so much for hopping on with me. For people who do not know who Matt is, he's the on-air producer for FanDuel TV. Um, you'll see him all over Twitter, though, formerly a part of Good Morning Football. So you see him a lot with Kay Adams on Up and Adams and doing all sorts of stuff with Kay, which we love Kay. So, Matt, welcome in, and thanks for hopping on with me. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to join you. Yeah, I'm super excited. Tell uh, us a little bit about your journey before we get started of how you started uh, covering the NFL, what kicked it all off, and what exactly you're doing right now. Yeah, so um, I kind of uh, – I was in the coaching scouting world first. I was a student coach at Missouri with the quarterbacks um, with former Bear, actually, Chase Daniel. Hey. Um Working working with him and, um, you know, getting to sit in those quarterback meeting rooms for six hours a day watching film. I just got to – I tried to soak up as much as I could. He's such a brilliant guy. Learned so much about the game from him. Um, I worked in the line scouting department for a little bit. And then I got connected with NFL Films working on a show called Playbook that was all X's and O's breakdown. So they brought me in to, you know, research concepts, break down film, and I learned the production side kind of once I got in the door there. Um, was at NFL Films for five years, then started when they decided to launch Good Morning Football. I thought that was something I would want to be a part of, so I uh, was lucky enough to get brought on there. And um, after six years there, decided to move on and um, start something new again with Kay over on FanDuel TV, and it's been a, it's been a blast so far. I love it, and I love all of your content. It's really fun to follow along with you, and a big fan of Good Morning Football for a while now, so it's exciting to have you on. Uh, Matt, let's just hop into things a little bit. Obviously, NFL preseason games have started. We have more coming this weekend. You and Kay kind of did a little bit of a training camp tour type thing, and I saw you posting on there that you guys were at Bengals camp, and that's one thing I'm so excited to see personally because obviously I work here in Jacksonville, but I also cover the Bears. But Bengals coming to town and seeing Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow in person, I'm super excited about. How how was that watching them at camp? It was pretty special. I mean, it, it was it was disappointing that you know we didn't get to see Burrow on the field with the calf injury, mm-hmm. but seeing Jamar Chase in action was incredible. Just seeing his preparation, is the work he puts into running his routes, and just how explosive he is. Um, it is a different feel when you get to see it up close and personal. Uh, and getting to take a look at, they have had a lot of changes in their secondary too. They got a lot of young players filling in. They lost both starting safeties, 
So kind of getting a, a close-up look at that and how they're kind of utilizing everybody in camp was interesting, too. Seeing uh, Jax Hill last year's first-round pick, mm-hmm. uh, who a lot of people expect her to kind of be the replacement for Jesse Bates. He went to the Falcons in free agency, getting to see him uh, working on one-on-ones, covering out of the slot a little bit. It looks like they're going to line him up all over the field. So um, a lot of interesting interesting nuggets there out of Bengals camp. But uh, no sign of Joe Burrow um, <laughs> That's unfortunate. on the practice field. So, but at least yeah. it wasn't worse than what it was. Initially when I saw that video, I was like, oh, no, poor Joe. Like the script writers in the NFL do not like Joe Burrow for whatever reason. Um, so obviously the, the main reason I have you on here is to talk about Justin Fields and the Bears and all of the changes that happened this offseason that Ryan Poles and Eberflus were able to do. Uh, the Bears obviously only won three football games last season, and although they were there's eight games that were within one score, they were one and seven in those eight games, and there was a lot of changes that needed to be made and additions that needed to come. So let's start a little bit uh, with Justin Fields last season. What did you see from Justin Fields last season? Were there was there any moments where you, aside from the running, because we know the running game was there, but in the passing ability that when you were watching, you you saw glimpses of something that could be uh, a, a franchise guy in the NFL? Absolutely. I mean, you saw him make a couple really high level throws last year, and it was he's been such a hard quarterback to evaluate throughout his first two years because he hasn't really had any consistent help between mm-hmm. the offensive line issues that they've had, the issues they've had at receiver. It's been really tough. Uh, and I think that's what's exciting about this year is, you know, we've seen the glimpses, but now they've improved the offensive line. They got him DJ Moore and some other weapons in that passing game. And now you're really going to be able to see what he is going forward. And I do think, you know, from what I've seen from – the mental side of it, from the physical side of it, I think he has it, and I think we're going to see some big things out of him this year, but it's but it's great for Ryan Poles and this organization. Like, now you're going to have your answer one way or the other, mm-hmm. because if it was another year with a bad offensive line, bad receiving core, you're going to be going into year four with him not really knowing what you have, because it's just impossible to evaluate a quarterback when you don't put any pieces around him. It's the same thing we kind of saw the Giants get into with Daniel Jones for those first few years where it's like we can't tell if this guy can play or not because the roster is so depleted. So uh, I'm really excited about this year for Justin Justin Fields and for that Bears offense. Yeah, same. And for us Bears fans because it's been a very long time since we've had a quarterback that we've been confident in. And there was a little trick in 2018 after the Mitchell Trubisky uh, that season where he had a pretty good season and Bears went to the playoffs and won the North. But even that, I think Bears fans were hesitant. It was it was more of like, a, okay, like we should have a little hope, but there wasn't a whole lot of confidence. And it's really it's different with Justin Fields. When you were watching him last season, Matt, what were some of the things that you, when you were watching, you knew he needed to improve on to be able to make it? I mean, one of the things was anticipating throws, getting the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker. And I definitely saw improvement in those areas. And again, it's when you start feeling more confident in the guys you're throwing the ball to, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of anticipation, you got to, you got to have that trust in your receivers that they're going to be where they're supposed to be. Uh, I think we saw a lot of growth in there. I think a lot of it, you also have to credit to Luke Getze and how he kind of tailored this offense to fit Justin Fields a little bit better, take advantage of his ability to run the football uh, and, and what that can do to defense is making them have to prepare for what he can do through the air and on the ground. And, and of course, it's going to open things up in the passing game for you as well. So, um, 
But yeah, I think it was the anticipation was the biggest thing and, and just getting the ball out a little quicker. Those are the biggest things I wanted to see from him, and I definitely saw improvement in those areas this past year. Well, yeah, and you just mentioned Luke Gutsy. Obviously, now the, the second year in his system and with Justin Fields, and obviously that usually you get a little bit more comfortability out of that because, like you said, you did see it last year. I want, The Patriots game was a marker for me to where you really saw the offense start to shift, and you could tell at that point that Gessie saw Justin's strengths and really built around those. And this season it should be even to more effect. And then they brought in Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis in the tight end room, and Getty obviously has familiar familiarity with that. And we didn't, that's not even mentioning DJ Moore, Deontay Foreman, and Nate Davis added to the line when it comes to veteran guys that they've added to the offense. So how much do you think that those guys that I just named can improve the, the productivity, and which body of those do you think sticks out the most? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to help out tremendously when you bring in veteran talent like that that's been through it. We know those guys can play. You know, it's, it's great to have young talent, but you got to have a mix with some veterans in that room as well. And mm-hmm. you got to commend Ryan Poles for what he did. I'm sure we'll get to the defense a little bit later, but did a lot to fix that side of the ball as well and made a lot of smart moves. But offensively, I think the DJ Moore trade is the biggest is, is the biggest thing here. Um, we saw what he was able to do in Carolina with a million different quarterbacks. He was always productive. You can lock him in for a thousand yards every year. And I'm excited for him as well, just being a fan of his game and uh, what he can do as a route runner, uh, what he can do with the ball in his hands to see him with, I think, Justin Fields is the best quarterback that he's played with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got Cam Newton kind of towards the end when, when Cam was starting to decline a little bit. So I think this will be the most talent that he's had at the quarterback position in his career so far. So I think we haven't even seen the best out of DJ Moore yet. And I think we're going to see it this year. Which is very exciting for me, uh, Matt. I, I, I've been kind of arguing this since the trade happened back in the beginning of the offseason because, of course, when, when a team loses somebody like DJ Moore, they, obvi- they, they start to come out of the woodworks a little bit. And we were hearing a lot from Panthers fans saying he's not an actual number one wide receiver. And my whole thought process during the whole time was just, Look at how many, I think it was four or five different quarterbacks during the time that he was in Carolina that were throwing him the ball. And like you said, the the closest to a good, consistent one was Cam, and it was at the end of Cam. So I'm super excited about DJ Moore, obviously, and everything that I'm hearing out of camp is that connection has already been made, which I think is extremely important. You mentioned the defense. There was a ton of moves this offseason on the defense, and it needed to be made. The, the Bears defense up front especially was very bad uh they when it came against the run they were one of the worst pressures one of the worst sacks one of the worst everything that you want to be good at when it comes defensively it was just not there so they they add Tremaine Edmonds TJ Edwards Demarcus Walker and then now most recently Anik Ngakwe I I was kind of not 100% on the yawn train just because he can get to the quarterback but is not good against the run, so I was questioning that, but I like the one-year deal there. Um, so with that very lacking front for the Bears, it could look a good bit different, but how different do you think it actually can look with those names? Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, Ngakwe, while he's had his issues against the run at times, I love the addition because they were near the bottom of the league in sacks, and I, they need that pass rushing presence off the edge, Mm -hmm. and he's going to give you that. He gets after the quarterback. He's done it everywhere he's been. I know he said he's been working on becoming a more well-rounded player. Hopefully, 
that's the case, and we'll see that in Chicago. Uh, but they're still, you know, getting pass rushers. You can never have enough pass rushers, and, and adding him is big. But I think solidifying the middle of that defense is huge. Getting T.J. Edwards from the Eagles, getting Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills is enormous. Mm-hmm. You got to, I mean, Bears fans know better than anybody how important linebacker play was. It's been the cornerstone of every great defense that they've had. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Erlock or Singletary, you know, not saying that Tremaine Edmonds is going to be on that level, but between him and T.J. Edwards, that's a massive, massive upgrade at linebacker after losing Roquan, you know, after losing Roquan Smith mm-hmm. and dealing with what they had to deal with at the, in that linebacking core over the second half of the season. Um, so I love seeing that. I think it's still. I still look at this defense as kind of a work in progress. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good young talent there to be excited about, but. Uh, I don't think they're quite there yet, but I will say this too. Um, I, I'm a big Matt Eberflus fan um, as a defensive mind. Mm-hmm. I He was at, when I was a student quarterback coach in Missouri, he was the defensive coordinator. So oh, I got nice. to see a lot of it up close and personal. I saw that, that monster year where Crabtree was scoring multiple touchdowns and putting up 200-yard games on everybody at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. He schemed up a way to shut him down, <laughs> and I think we beat him 38-10. to 10. He schemed up a way to shut down Arkansas's backfield of Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. He is a master of taking away what you do best mm-hmm. and making the most of the personnel he has at his disposal. Um, and I think that's why the Bears were able to hang in some of these games last year is because he did a great job, you know. I think yeah, he's still obviously heavily involved in, in that defense, even though he's the head coach now. Um, and I think he did a tremendous job scheming things up to put these guys in the best position possible. So while the talent and the names on the defense don't all jump off the page at you, I think he's going to find a way to get the most out of what he has at his disposal. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think there were, there were definitely moments last season where we were watching, and it wasn't anything statistical. It wasn't anybody getting a large number of sacks, obviously, or any of the, the ton of turnovers, the run stop, all of that was lacking, but there were moments when we were playing some of the better teams in the league, like the Eagles, uh, when, we, when they played the Eagles, when they played Miami, whose offenses at that time when the Bears played them were just super productive and we're scoring a ton of points and the Bears were the Bears defense were finding ways to kind of slow them down a little bit and I think that is in large part like you said what Eberflus is able to do is just kind of at least attempting to take away the the biggest weapon which I think part of it was they just didn't have the depth or the talent last season so by the third fourth quarter these guys were exhausted and it wasn't happening anymore. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's where, you know, it's been on Ryan Cole. He, he inherited a roster that really didn't have a ton of talent on it, and, and it takes time to build that back up, but it's hard not to look at the way this offseason has gone and, and not be excited about what he's building there in Chicago, and obviously it's all, it's all going to hinge on the quarterback. It's all going to hinge on Justin Fields and how he continues to develop, but with the position that he and Eberflus are in when they inherited this team to now – it's uh, to me, it's a night and day difference with what this roster looks like. It's not there yet, but it's such a huge improvement. Yeah, and speaking uh, another thing on 
Eberflus because I want your opinion on this because I think that when everybody was hiring that couple seasons ago and the way that you're kind of seeing the NFL go now, uh, the best coaches, the majority, large majority of the best coaches in the NFL are all offensive guys and Eberflus is not. Do you think that it could negatively, I can't say the word, in a negative way, is that going to affect the Bears offense at all, or do you think that it's a good combination of Luke Getzey being able to control his offense and then having a coach who is able to build the defense and work around that too? Yeah, and it's a great it's a great point because yeah, it's just you see everybody wants to hire an offensive coach, and that's the way the league is trended. And but I don't think it, if you have an offensive coordinator that's really good and that you really trust and you really work well with. I don't think it makes a difference. We've seen plenty of defensive coaches have a lot of success in this league over the years. As a head coach, it's about your personality. It's about how you get guys to respond to you. It's about how you put together and manage a staff. Uh So whether you're an offensive coach, defensive coach, we've seen special teams coach. John Harbaugh is a special teams coach. And look at what he's done. Um, So I, I don't subscribe to that, that you need to be an offensive coach to be successful. I know that's how things are trended. Um, but I think what I was really, happy with what I saw out of Luke Getze and his play calling in his first year as an offensive coordinator last year. Um, we heard, I know this is the name Harris fans don't want to hear, but we've heard Aaron Rodgers say a lot of really good things about him as well. Um, so, you know, everything I've heard, everything I've seen, there's a lot of reason to be excited about Getze, and if Getze, you know, continues to develop as a play caller and is the guy I think he's capable of being, I, you know, I, Iberflus, I think, has that juice in the room. Um, I think, you know, again, from being around him in Missouri, like players love him. Players are super motivated playing for him. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that, that yeah, he, he, he inspires his team, and that's the, that's the biggest thing you can ask for out of the head coach. Definitely, and we beep out the Aaron Rodgers word on this podcast. I, I'm just kidding. He can't hurt us as bad anymore, so I, I'm starting to um, I'm starting to accept it. And it, it's interesting too, Matt, because as I look around the league, one thing that I've noticed, especially this off season, is. Bears fans absolutely love Ryan Poles. And I'm not saying they don't love Matt Eberflus, but I think that his personality and, like, just the the things that they've kind of seen is a little more in the background. And Ryan Poles has been very vocal and very out there and very honest with Bears fans, which obviously former GMs have not been that. And so they're really latching on to the type of person Ryan Poles is and what he's been able to do in these two off-seasons with the Bears. Is there another team that you can think of comparably with a situation like that where people are so fascinated with the general manager that the head coach is just a little in the background? That's interesting. I'm I'm trying to think if uh, if I've seen something like this I know. Before, that's, I was like, right? it, is, it is unique, yeah. And it was funny because one of the first press conferences that they did uh, once camp, I, th- I want to say it was during OTAs actually, and the media, it was Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus up, uh, up on stage for the presser, and it took like seven questions in before Matt Eberflus even got asked the first question. And I was like, I just feel like that's not normal. Like, I know here in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson is the man, and he's going to be asked five billion questions before anybody looks at Trent Baalke. So it was just so interesting to me that that's the way it is. But I think that Bears fans have just been let down when it comes to the higher-up so much that maybe that's why they're looking at it in this fashion. Yeah, I think I, I guess the only other thing that that kind of comes close to that, but it's obviously a different situation. Is like Jerry Jones when mm-hmm. he said, you know, Jason Garrett as his head coach or Mike McCarthy as his head coach. You know, guys that aren't 
necessarily the most engaging personalities. Yeah. Everybody tends to go through Jerry and listen to what Jerry has to say more mm-hmm. than anything else, but obviously, you know, that's a, a little a different. Rare, <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, Matt, so looking around the NFC North in general, because it's, it's a weird division this season, and I think a lot of people – don't really know what to expect out of certain teams. The Lions really started to take off towards the end of the last season. And me personally, going into last season, I thought they were going to be able to do that the entire season. It took a little bit to really start getting things in play. The Vikings had one of the oddest seasons. I think they were like 11-0 and in one-score games, which just doesn't happen. And then Aaron Rodgers is gone, and Jordan Love is now the guy, the, the starting quarterback in Green Bay. And so it's a lot of changes and the expectations around what the Bears can be. So what is kind of your outlook on the NFC North as a whole? Do you think it's the Lions division? I like the Lions. I love what they've done. I think golf, I don't think it was a one-year thing. I think he's made a lot of progress, and I think it's legitimate. Um, but it is it is a little wild when you look, and it's just everybody is so heavy on the Lions to win this division. And I don't think it's anything – about them being the Lions, you know, people are like, oh, they're the Lions, you can't trust it. It has nothing to do with that. I think it has to do with, yeah, you have a team in the Vikings that's coming back to defending chance that won 13 games last year. And however they won the 13, they still won 13 games. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to do that again, but I don't think you can just dismiss them. Um, with the Bears, same thing. I think the Bears made a lot of improvements too. I don't think you can overlook the Bears in this division. And if Jordan Love is good. The Packers have a lot of talent on their team still. They have a, a really good, a really talented defense. They have Christian Watson. They have Aaron Jones. There's a lot of pieces there. So, to me, this division is is the biggest mystery in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think all four teams have a legitimate shot. Um, I would probably say I, I like the Lions as the favorites, but I think Minnesota and Chicago are very close are a lot closer on their tails than a lot of people are making it out to be right now. Yeah, and I've been saying this whole offseason that I truly don't know, but I think that because it's just, for me, a mystery of what how big of a leap is Justin Fields going to make. If he makes the leap that I think he can and I think he will, the Bears are going to be a pretty good football team, especially offensively. The offense could be pretty dangerous now, depending what the defense is able to do, obviously makes a, a big difference because we've seen teams like the, a lot of the struggles that happened with the Lions last season revolved around the defense. And so you can score a lot of points, but you also have to stop uh, the other team from scoring. So the same thing, it, it can go any way. And anytime somebody asks me, like, who do you think is going to win the division? I'm like, I truly have no idea. And I'm super stressed out about week one already with the Packers because the last thing that I want is to lose to Jordan Love's, like, first, like debut real start in the NFL. And I know he started, I think, one game already. But that would just be the most, like, Bears-Packers thing to happen is they beat us week one with Jordan Love. <laughs> I'm so stressed about it. it, it. It really would be, and I don't play. I mean, I've I've been watching. You know, I'm watching tape all season and studying everything. And I, I, I I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know who's going to win this division. It's just there's so much that we don't know mm-hmm. about. What, there's so many changes and so much that we don't know. But I feel like it's, it's irresponsible for me to say anything confidently, <laughs> um, because again, so much of it is going to hinge on Jordan Love and what he looks like, and there's just not enough of a sample size. Um, to really be able to to evaluate him yeah. completely. 
what have you have what slash if have you heard anything on Jordan Love coming out of camps? Is there optimism around it? Is there concern from the national perspective? What have you heard about Packers and Love? It seems like there there have been some ups and downs, um, but you know. Day to day, you hear different things. It's you know, I've heard they've had some frustrating days for that offense, where Lafleur is making the entire the entire starting offense do push-ups after practice, and um, but you hear you know you've seen some big throws out of him, and and you've heard some some good reports of some good days. So um, you know, it is alarming that consistency isn't there. I think that receiving core, while Watson emerged. Uh, they're still trying to find consistency at their receiving core. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Romeo Dubs make some splashy plays and also get screamed at and taken off the field. Um, <laughs> so I think finding those other guys outside of Watson, that's going to be really important for this offense and for what Jordan Love is, is going to be able to do this year because obviously, you know, so we talked about with Fields, it's going to be hard for him if he doesn't have consistently reliable weapons either. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be the, the one of the biggest determining factors there is, like, how some of these other young receivers really come together. Yeah. And we're in such a weird position in Chicago, honestly, because we want to see the Packers just crash and burn. It's just in our blood to want that to happen. But at the same time, if they do and they land in a top pick, are they going to go get – Caleb Williams, or are they going to go get Drake May, or are they going to get Marvin Harrison Jr.? And we also don't want that, so it's such a weird spot because we kind of need the Packers to play like just good enough to get outside that, and the Jet and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets to play just good enough to get outside of that. But we still are like want to see them kind of suck. So it's just such a weird, <laughs> such a weird position to be in. Um, a couple more for you, Matt, before I let you go, and this is kind of nationally on a, a national prediction wise. Uh, do you see a team that could surprise people this season and be better than maybe what the expectations are showing right now? I think one of the te- the Falcons are really interesting to me. Again, obviously, a lot of it's going to depend on an unknown and Desmond Ritter. But I think with how you're seeing Arthur Smith run his offense, with the improvements that this team made on the defensive side of the football, I don't think they need Ritter to be great to be a good, to be a good team to be a playoff caliber team. They won seven games last year with just a mess at quarterback with between him and Mariota, a rookie Ritter and Mariota. Um, they were the 15th ranked off, so they were middle of the road offense last year with a mess at quarterback. Now you add Bijan Robinson to the mix. That backfield is going to be amazing. I think we're going to see Arthur Smith dial some things up that we've never seen before from from this offense. And their defense, again, they won seven games with a middle-of-the-road offense in the 27th-ranked defense, and they've done a lot to try to improve that defense. They brought in a ton of veterans, guys like Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. guys like Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, that are going to make this defense a lot better. Um, and, again, we've seen Arthur Smith. Remember, he's the offensive coordinator in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill when they went to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. We've seen him manage his way around not having an elite quarterback and get the most out of his offense. I'm excited about the Falcons. I'm really intrigued by what they have going on, and I would not be surprised at all if they end up winning that division this year. Yeah, and I think that, honestly, it's the perfect time for them to kind of be in this, like, bridge towards that because the division, that's another division that I think could be pretty open. Uh, I'm not sure anybody is expecting a whole lot out of 
Panthers immediately, and I don't. I think Tampa's yeah. just kind of a little messy. Maybe the the expectation of what Derek Carr can be there is a big question mark of who wins that division, in my opinion. But you mentioned a name, Matt, that is just like on my list for Rookie of the Year candidate and Bijan Robinson. I am so excited to watch this kid play football. Yeah, me too. And especially, I think with him landing with Arthur Smith, it makes it even more exciting mm-hmm. because from what I've heard and just kind of watching some of their tape from last year. I think we're going to see three running backs on the field times with what Cordero Patterson can do and how he can line up all over the place with Tyler Algier, a thousand yard rusher returning. Um, and I think they're going to use Bijan. I think they're going to line him up all over the place. He'll be in the slot. He'll be playing like a wing back. He'll be a tailback. He'll be split out at wide receiver. And they're going to find so many different ways to get the ball in his hands. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. Is there another rookie that you are like in your top of what you are excited to watch this season and hope they succeed? Jameer Gibbs, I think, for the same reason. I think we're going to see him oh. in a lot of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But I think he's going to be. <laughs> I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Zay Flowers. I'm hearing amazing things from him out of Raiders, a Ravens camp. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, and uh, I'm also interested. Uh, it's a it's a little bit of a cloudy situation with this receiving core and how he's exactly going to be used because they have a bunch of really good players there already. But Quentin Johnson, I can't. I keep hearing. Um, incredible things about Quentin Johnson out okay. of Chargers camp. Yeah. Um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, we had them on the show the other day. They're raving about him. Um, I think we're going to see some big things from that entire offense in general. I think we're going to see them make a major leap into kind of what everybody expected them to be with Justin Herbert and all that talent. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see him making some big plays this year as well. Matt, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Again, thanks to Matt Hamilton for joining me. You'll find him on FanDuel TV and all over with Kay Adams when it comes to Up and Adams and all of the projects they have together. But he's great on Twitter, kind of is, is all over the NFL, so you'll get content from him from all sorts of teams, but uh, especially when it comes to certain quarterback things and his beliefs and what the quarterback is or isn't doing. Uh, We originally were recording this podcast as a video element. A lot of people have been asking me to switch over to have video so that they can watch it on YouTube. We had some technical difficulties on his side when it came to the sound. For some reason, he was hearing uh, hearing some weird echoes, so that's why this podcast, like, the beginning sounds a little different when I was doing my intro, you know, like my opening monologue type thing compared to what the sound was later. Uh, But we are here. We have a preseason game football tomorrow and a preseason football game tomorrow. Uh, And I know a lot of people don't care a whole lot, but I'm super excited to see certain players that are going to be out there, some of these young guys, again, Zach Zach Pickens, Gervon Daxter, Darnell Wright. I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to see some DJ Moore and Justin Fields, even if that is for only seven to ten plays. But we are here. Football season is in full swing, and uh, here we go. I'm Taylor Dahl, and this is another episode of Making Monsters. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.